episode 61 of the Open Paddock Rallycast, and in this episode we're bringing back Preston Osborne of ODD Racing, along with their master technician and also accomplished rally driver, Ed McNally. Preston jumped into a new role as rally organizer, and, we'll help, and he'll help us review the Mile High Colorado Rally. And Ed, he'll help us tell the tale of Earl the Rally Car. Earl had a long rallying career that came to a final and very dramatic end at the event. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, hello and welcome back to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ian Holmes. Ian, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm just about, touch wood, I'm just about recovered from my 100-mile uh, bike ride at the weekend. So, uh, you so have yeah, completed that... a century, a century was... ride. I that is a goal that I've had, but um, instead of training for something like that, I've been too busy going to rallies. So, I mean, there could be worse problems, right? Well, there could indeed. Yeah, it was a very it was a very cool experience. It was a bit of an ordeal, but I mean, we started off nice, nice low temperatures when uh, at seven o'clock when when we started off on the ride and we had five miles, a whole five miles of closed roads, you know, police, fire services, all the traffic lights blocking the road off. And there's 750 of us on this hundred mile bike ride on closed off roads it was absolutely fantastic you, you know you felt like you were in the peloton of the tour de france at times oh that's brilliant i mean i watch that every year and it was especially dramatic this year so uh yes uh those guys that can ride that every day for yeah. three weeks straight it's just uh, pretty yeah, insane uh, 100 miles and more you know so so yeah i got round in six hours and 20 minutes there about but uh, i was put to shame by uh greg greg messler who is the clerk of the course at ojibwe he got around in five hours and ten minutes wow that's pretty darn good in so, comparison so wow cool stuff so I, I mean I, I was i was feeling really good for a while and then i found out his time and I've, I've got to go back next year and go faster co-driver fit that's it indeed co-driver fit mike <laughs> all right well Moving on from our little personal stuff here, we have our special guests coming up in just a second. That'll be Preston Osborne and Ed McNelly. We'll be right back. Well, we're back, and as we said in the intro, we have with us special guests Preston Osborne and Ed McNelly. Uh, Preston, Ed, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing pretty good. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Mike, uh, Ian, thanks again for having me on the show. Well, we had to have you guys on, especially after all the dramatic stuff that happened at Rally Colorado. And uh, But it's Ed's first time on the show. So we want to make sure we get a little bit of background on him and, and how he got started in rallying. Because uh, from what it sounds like, it goes back quite a ways. Um, not that you're yeah. old or anything, Ed. Uh, you know, you're still young in our eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little old, but uh, it's, it's only as old as you feel. So seasons. Yeah, season, season. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, you're still like 19 then, if it's as you feel, right? I, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Especially when I'm in a car. So, awesome. Well, you got to compete at, at Colorado, but uh, when did you first compete? How far back does it go? Um, actually, my first race uh, when in, uh, was actually I was 40 years old. So <laughs> that's when I actually drove a first car. Um, Late bloomer. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I actually started out in Rally uh, 1988 was my first experience with Rally. Um, I was crewing for a guy named Gary Webb, um, and uh, I took a little bit of time off in between there to start a family, and uh, I think about 2000 I met up with uh, the Duplessis, and it kind of snowballed to where I'm at now. So, Well, he was pretty close to your neighbor, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was working at a dealership in, uh, in Maine, and uh, he'd bring his car in time to time, and uh, it had rally lights on it and stuff like this. And, of course, I knew about rally, so I went out and talked to him one day, and he's like, you need to come up to our shop and check it out. And, well, <laughs> here I am now. So um, it, was, uh, it was a pretty good experience. Um, I got, I've done just about everything in rally except for the whole organizing and stuff like that. I've co-drove, I've crewed, I've driven, I've done complete series. So it's been a good time, you know, and hopefully someday I'll be able to do that again. Uh, we'll see when. Well, and I, I think Ed's kind of underselling himself a little bit here. So it was, uh, you know, he was at Team O'Neill for a number of years and actually raced with them um, in one of the R2s. And, and uh, that was right when Chris Duplessis was racing. And I think ACP was it? Was he in the Scion at that point, or not yet? Uh, ACP was in the Scion. Dylan uh, Van Way was also. Oh, in the Fiesta, Fiesta. yeah, yep. And uh, but yeah, and you know, we, it was a pretty good showing for Fiestas those couple years. So I, I ran the the season uh, Rally America season in 2012, and uh, with Ole Holter, and we also ran the whole Canadian series that same year. And uh, we actually had some real good results uh, for both series. And uh, it was fun. I wish I could still do it, but I'm getting yeah. old. so <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I, he, he might actually hold the record. I'm, I'm not sure here. We'd have to fact check it. But uh, he won Rookie of the Year that year. And uh, without aging you too much, Ed, how, much, how, how old would you have been that year? Uh, rookie of the Year 2012. So I've been 42. So 42-year-old Rookie of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know you're, you're, that's up there with Ken Block status of uh, you know getting into rallying and performing pretty well. So you know, yep, exactly. <laughs> you're your own Ken Block. There you go. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, he's on the trophy with Ken because you know Ken won it. Uh, I don't remember the year. Probably late two thousands, but. Well, uh, let's talk about Rally Colorado, which is where you guys are based. Preston, I can kind of move over to you a little bit on the uh, organizing side, because this is your first time kind of moving into that role. What was it like for you planning an entire rally, helping be part of that process? Uh, it, it was very different. Um, you know, of course, like Ed, I've been active on just about every other part of the rally, um, co-driving and and even i've turned wrenches here and there and and obviously my my dive into driving earlier this year but um fortunately a lot of those skills and that knowledge does transfer over uh to the organizing side but it's it's everything kind of turned up to 11 so as much as the co-drivers have to worry about planning their recce route and everything like that as an organizer you worry about the entire rally, every single bit and piece of it. And so um, it's a tall ask, and I certainly have a, a new respect for all the longtime organizers just because of the amount of personal time and, and you know, the kind of after-hours time that goes into it. 
Well, that's awesome that you stepped up to do that because it, it is a big undertaking. I mean, you suddenly realize just how many months in advance the planning really starts. And and then no matter how much you try and plan for it, there's last minute stuff always. <laughs> that last oh, yeah, pretty much yeah. two weeks is pretty much insanity. It It is, yeah. I, I know you've been active on it with Oregon, Mike, and, and I'm not sure if you help out with Olympus too, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's definitely the case. And, and like I said, from a co-driving perspective, it does kind of carry over because something that I've always preached as a co-driver is you plan everything that way come event time, those unexpected things you, you can put full attention to. And, and uh, from the organizing side, it's kind of the same way. You know, we had our, our weekly phone meetings and, and make sure everyone's on the same page and plan all those details. But um, even then, it ended up being pretty exciting couple of nights leading up to the race. Uh, just because, as with every race, you know, volunteers are a hot topic and, and we still don't really have the volunteer support um, locally just because it kind of is a little bit in the middle of nowhere. But, um, you know, so so Thursday, a lot of people don't know, but we were pretty much up until about 11 o'clock or midnight Thursday night trying to figure out what stages we were going to cancel. Wow, Ooh. that's stressful. Um, yeah. Ugh. Well, to, to give us a little background on this event, um, give us a little idea of the location. It's uh, Rangeley, I believe, is uh, what it's called in Colorado. There, where yeah, exactly is yeah. Rangeley? You know, in the state, and uh, give us kind of yeah, a little bit of a description of kind of the, the area. Of course. So, you know, background, this was the third running. Um, so this was the, the third year that we ran it. So I guess that would make 2017 the first year for the event. Rangeley's just a little bit uh, outside of Steamboat, about 45 minutes west. So um, kind of up in, in, we call it the high desert, the mountains up there. And so a lot of elevation, which makes the roads really interesting. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of the drivers and co-drivers who've done that event, and and I'm with them in agreement that it's some of the best races, or excuse, sorry, best uh, stages in North America. Um, it's That's a tall order. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I think you get, such a good variety and, and obviously ed can have some input on this but you get so much elevation and you have tight and twisty and very technical and then uh you know you have a stage that ends very wide and very open and so you have such a good variety of roads and and i just think very very interesting roads too um you know ed what did you think of them yeah no i i thought that the roads were like really good good roads good technical stuff and then, it, like you said, it, it gets it gets some out and fast and flowing sections, and, you know. And to say another thing is too, being a high altitude, you know, like your cars are running hotter, and you really have to look at your cars and make sure you got them cooling right. And it, it's just it's a it's a tough rally too on the cars. But um, I think if you can get through that, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come out on top, and uh, it's a like I said, it's it's a real good rally. Pro probably one of the best stages, some of the best stages that I've seen within the two series that I've ever run. So talking a little bit more of the details of the event, um, how many stages were there? It was over two days, is that right? So this is one of those ones that they kind of were calling uh, super regionals, is that right? 
Yeah, so it's a, a super regional event, so you still could score championship points uh, for the ARA National Championship, which is nice. Um, and, and as far as stages, so we had uh, six total stages that were run twice each, um, so 12 stages. And as far as mileage goes, I forget the exact number we ended up, but uh, a little bit above 120, so that kind of standard uh, uh, national length. But the nice thing is with only having three stages per day um the stages were a little bit longer i think the sh well we we had a little short one that was four miles but that was the shortest stage all the rest were about 10 to 12 miles oh so, nice yeah mm -hmm. so really enough to get in a good rhythm and and uh, it's a really compact rally too you know rangeley's kind of small town and so our service is it that is in the same place both days um and and the roads are all within that general area so most of your transits are less than 20 minutes and and uh the town loves having us out there too which which shows you know thursday night is still one of the coolest park exposés that that i've ever experienced because a uh, small town but the entire town comes out for it mm -hmm. and so we do park expose they have a pretty cool auto auto museum there with 40 cars or something like that and a pretty good collection um and then after that you actually do a parade down main street and oh, you've got cool. kids yeah. and mm -hmm. and families and and so many people just lining main street and and cheering for you asking for autographs and so it's it's just a really cool experience all 200 people that live there come out yes pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. But, but on a small street like that uh, it, it feels cool. bigger <laughs> oh i'm sure no that's awesome man i, yeah. I love that kind of thing yeah, oh, I wanted yeah. to ask you about the uh, the uh, car museum. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to get involved with with the event. Isn't now, I saw some pictures of a, a, a vehicle that was like labeled the Rally Beast. I mean, that was <laughs> a, a huge thing. What can you tell me anything about that? You know, I, I don't know, Ed, if you looked at it closely. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to pay much attention to it because I was training our stage captains uh, mm -hmm. during that park expose. So I was kind of off in the corner, giving them the crash course on how to run a stage. Um, but uh, I, I mean, it's a surprisingly in-depth collection for, for, again, kind of the middle of nowhere. But um, for them to open up that museum to us and and bring out cars you know they brought out that car this year i think they had a fire truck from the 40s or something oh, cool. uh last year so it's it's again that support from the town is is so cool to be a part of that they want us to come back every year and and i think what alan told us this year is we have essentially a standing permit for the next 10 years wow. um, so if we nice. want to have a race yeah. they want us back and and they actually so they graded the roads before a race uh, the week before, which is just something you really don't see, where they're rare. going very not, rare. Yeah, where they're not going. Oh crap, they're going to tear these roads up, so we need to grade them afterwards. But instead, going, hey, we want to make these roads nice and smooth for them. So, so they were actually out with the grader the week, uh, week before and week of the race. Wow, it's it's great you can get that kind of backing from uh, from a city and uh, for, for for helping you like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know it, it made my job a little bit easier. So you know I was chief of controls was my official title, um, and and job for this race. And so basically every control for the race and kind of the general running of each stage kind of fell underneath uh, my job description. So 
are like Netcom, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or sorry, Net Control or Oxcom Group. They are actually a local emergency response team, and so they mm-hmm. kind of use our event as practice, if you will, which yeah. um, is great for us because. They are going to show up. They're paid employees, so of course the expectations there are a little bit different. Um, and so the job they do is just killer for the lo- for the last few years, and and certainly for me this year, being able to see behind the scenes. Um, you know, I had a radio the the whole race, and I was the one kind of at every stage because uh, we had Rob Bone, our our clerk of the course. He kind of stayed in net control to help out there, and so I was kind of your eye in the sky, if you will. And uh, it, it felt very official being called chief on the radio, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so were you like in an advance car or something like that that went ahead of time? Or? Um, I, I wouldn't really say that. You know, we still had triple zero, double zero, and, and single zero. Um, but more of, you know, so we got a lot of rain, um, as we know, Friday yeah. night. And so <laughs> I kind of went and checked out the stages just before the running on Saturday. But mainly it was just to, to double check the controls make sure they're set up because with us kind of running a skeleton crew um i i did have some you know people doing their first volunteer jobs uh, at controls and so i wanted to make sure they were set up for success and and uh there to answer any questions if they had any but i was very very lucky you know my my stage captains um shout out to to them i had gonzo from utah um eric and amy from california and then actually steve biss and uh, scott mccarthy from colorado who actually won the event last year uh those were my stage captains and wow. That's awesome. Putting putting that trust and basically handing them the kind of behind the scenes, you know, skeleton as as best we could do, uh, and and they they killed it. I mean, from the competitor side, I heard nothing but positive things, and and they did a heck of a job. So I I even had JB in a day working a start control, and I had Karen Jankowski at a finish control. You know, that that's basically what it came to for us to make that that race happen. Wow, that's. That's dedication from everybody out there, and hopefully, you know, those that came out and spectated, you know, learned a little something where they maybe want to get involved next year, because I know that's, you know, it's always hard to draw them in, but once they try it, you get hooked. The volunteering thing is just as interesting and fun as watching the racing. Um, It's a whole community of people that really get involved, and yeah, it's, if they're, especially if they're more local, it's really easy easy to bring them back. Sometimes people get burnt out if it's a longer trip. You know, you get them for a couple of years, and they're like, okay, I need to take a year or two off or something. But still, uh, good job at getting people together last minute, and uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, I can get a few more in for next year. Uh, let's talk about entries. Um, this is obviously a super regional, so uh, how many uh, folks came across to the uh, Mile High area to compete in your event? So we ended up at 24 entries, um, which, you know, for a regional, I'd say is about average um, you know, for, for say comparing us to Ohio. Okay. Yeah. We didn't hit 85 <laughs> competitors <laughs> or whatever they ended up. That's at. a little but, insane. Uh, right. But you know, we, we had, we, we basically had to have 20 entries to make the race happen. So the fact that we got more than that 20 was obviously a, a positive thing. And, and a lot of locals, which for me was really cool. You know, I started out in rally and rally cross. Uh, I know Ed was the same way. And so I had a lot of my friends there that, uh, you know, some of them are just making that transition to stage rally. And so it's really cool to be there and, and be a part and, and see those friendly faces and those uh, familiar people um, and some cars that even ODD has, has done some work on. So, 
Now, Ed, you uh, had a few in your class, right? So you were in, you were in uh, Earl. So Earl's the uh, limited two-wheel drive, is that right? Yes, Earl was a limited two-wheel drive car, yeah. And uh, th we had a pretty good class of cars. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how to say it, but, uh, you know, we had a little little excursion on the first stage, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was no fault by my own. But from what I've seen of the people work in the rally, for being – not many people helping out. Uh, you'd never know it. It felt like a full national rally. So, you know, kudos to all the people that helped out with the rally. You know, I guess we can kind of talk about the event before we get into Earl Earl's story. But uh, you're, you were saying earlier that some weather came in. So, you know, the first day, um, pretty much clear skies. Uh, but yet still, I think there wasn't really any major dust issues, I think, that I heard complaints about. So I think most everybody was happy with the first day. It was just the next day that things got a little crazy, right? Well, I, I think we had a little bit of dust issue the first day. Um, you know, we had the challenge where we had, I think, six novices uh, within our event. So when you break that down by percentage, basically a quarter of our entries were novices. And what that means and, and why it's important for us on our end is we don't have speed factors to really work with, um, or at least accurate speed factors. And so you're kind of people towards the, the back of the running order, getting them slotted in the correct places so that, especially with us having longer stages for this race, um, that people are catching each other is, right. is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. And, uh, you know, everyone was really patient. And, and so I, I appreciated that. But, um, you know, we, we had a little bit and, and we actually had outside of uh, the adventure we'll talk about later, the last stage that we ran on that first day uh, it's kind of in it, it runs along a ridge of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And and so we had all of our workers out there, and we had a thunderstorm roll through. And so we were kind of in a holding pattern for about 10 minutes uh, because we were getting reports from one side of the stage that, oh, lightning's really close, and we're starting to get a little bit of drizzle. Um, you know, I don't think we should be out. And so uh, I think at one point we had three or four different radar screens up uh, looking at kind of the direction of the storm and where the lightning strikes are and and, um, and, and we actually had the sheriff there with us who, who had fami uh, familiarity with the area. And so he said, no, that storm's going to blow this way. You know, the lightning's going to let up. And so um, we, we kind of trusted his advice. And, and as it happened, we said, okay, now's the time to go. We send cars now. And, uh, and, and we're actually able to run that last stage, which was kind of, uh, kind of hanging in the air there for a minute. So I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to cancel that. So even outside of, of the story with Earl, um, we had a little bit of weather drama, but again, I don't think the competitors really saw that. And, and that was kind of the eye-opening experience for me being in at, at that point, I was actually in net control, um, you know, kind of the hub for the, for the radios. And, uh, and, and we were there, we were, we were looking at the radios and, or the radars and, and making that decision. And that's something you just never see on the competitor side or never even hear about. All you hear is, oh, yeah, we were delayed 15 minutes on the on the last stage, and yeah. then we ran it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so wasn't there a bit of uh, early attrition in, in, in there? Because, I mean, you say you've got, like, 24, 24 cars running, and it seems mm -hmm. like I'm checking the uh, timing here. And didn't you mm -hmm. – 
10 cars in the first four stages or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's that much, but I know we did lose four cars in the first stage and for multiple different reasons, you know, okay, Ed, Ed had enough and, and we actually had two cars crash in the same corner, uh, Ed Ooh. being one of them and uh, Travis um, and Ryan and their Subaru GC had a, a bigger wreck on that same corner. And and Ed was actually catching them, and so they didn't have triangles out yet. And so he, I, as far as I know, damn near crashed into them. So, Ed, is that true? or? Yeah, it was it was close. Um, yeah, we kind of stayed on the road a little bit longer than they had. So we kind of rode the berm a little bit and, and just kind of went in into the ditch a little farther in than, than Travis was. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, if they had had their tri- triangles out, probably would have saved me. But you know how it is. <laughs> I well, probably would have went off somewhere else. So yeah, yeah, and and I think Travis had heard a six instead of a three, and I think that's why he went a long ways off. Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. Whereas yeah. whereas for Ed, you know, the speed was right, just the corner was too tight. Yeah, that's God. it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed, what, but, was so the, yeah. what was the last rally you did before this one? Then has it been a while? Uh, the, uh, yes, uh, the last rally would have been uh, Rally Wyoming. So okay, that yeah, would have been, so that was a couple of years ago. That, it was a while ago. It was over almost two years ago. So yeah. you, you didn't do Desert Storm or C9 or anything like that? I thought you no. did. No. Okay, Nothing that must have been, been done. before it. Sure. Yep, that was before it, yep. Because so. I co-drove for you a couple of times. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But, you know, we had we had good results at Wyoming, and we was looking for pretty good results here. Um, but our, like Preston said, our, we had another car there, our other rental car, and they were having problems right off the bat. So my mind was kind of on that car and how I can relate to the, the guys how to fix it once they got into service. And I think just my concentration wasn't 100%, and it, it kind of caught me out on that, on that three. And, you know, I know that I heard the calls. And I heard the braking, and like like Preston said, my speed was right. The corner was just too tight. So <laughs> <laughs> just didn't enter it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you Correct. didn't even have comms for the first mile, I think you told me. Yeah, the take. first mile. Yeah, yeah. Ian Ian was trying to still uh, get, uh, get situated and get the notes going because we were such a late. We we started right right when the time timer went off. So. Um, you know, like I said, our concentration wasn't there. So if we had, if we had just taken a step back, maybe taken a, a, a minute penalty, a, a minute, not a minute penalty, but taken a minute and got situated, maybe we would have had a better stage or a better rally altogether and no big drama. But, you know, with the drama we did have, I think a lot of it has come out as positives for, for the team ourselves and, uh, getting out there. So. But, you know, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just but shows yeah, they, the uh, challenges of, uh, you know, a team when their master technician decides to be competitor. <laughs> Everybody's got to... Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. <laughs> Where do we get yeah. all the info? He's out there on the yeah. stages. It just shows you how invaluable you are, Ed, doesn't it? No, I know. I, and, <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes it's a it's a blessing. And time, sometimes, you know, when you do want to go racing, you're, you, you're trying to do three jobs at, at the same time, and, and you, you can't concentrate as much on one or the other. So, you know, well, and, and be- it's probably hard too with me 
not being able to kind of oversee the team as well. You know, Ed and I are kind of the two heads and, and both of them were pulled out of it. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it's, you know, the way I always looked at it is the customer always comes first. So, you know, it happened. So unfortunately both of our cars didn't finish that weekend. We did come across so, of why the car didn't finish. So, you know, it's fixed for the next time. And, yeah. and stuff like that so yeah we actually had so on that fiesta you know we we've had such wonderful success with them because they've been so reliable and uh you know that's why we're firm believers as far as a rental car goes that they are such good cars to get started with and and we actually had the pcm board um you know in the computer was actually cracked Wow. Um, and that's just from years of abuse and maybe a couple of offs and who knows, but it's just such a crazy thing that we've never even seen before. Um, and it started out as this intermittent electrical issue and, uh, and then obviously progressively got worse before we could really diagnose it and, and get it to act up and get it to, to happen. Yeah. Those little, uh, you know, solder traces, uh, they're just cracked and sometimes yep. the signal makes it across, sometimes it touches and it doesn't. Oh man. Exactly, intermittent exactly. problems are the worst. Yeah, yeah, especially when we're not the ones in the car, you know, we're putting it in the hands of somebody else and and at least when I'm in the car, you know, I I have a little bit of a technical background. So, um, you know, Cam, I I know we've talked before doesn't really know a whole lot uh, other than knowing the difference between the steering wheel and and the wheels on the car. Um, but he's a hell, <laughs> hell of a driver for it, you know. And uh, and so with me in the car, I'm kind of the one that goes, hey, Ed, this is what's happening, you know, this, this, and this, and these situations, and and he can kind of take the information I'm relaying and at least have a place to start with. And sometimes with the rentals, it's just tough because you don't get that, that same quality of information. You know, not that Ryan or, or the Gelsaminos gave us any bad information. It's just, uh, it's hard to diagnose it when you're essentially a third party. Yeah, definitely. As the event as a whole, it looks like uh, you had 16 that still... Actually, no, not that many finished. What am I looking at? Um, so you, you still had uh, a good amount of finishers, I guess. Um, so I think the end of day one, we actually only had 14 cars that finished that last stage. Okay. Um, so that's almost you know 50% attrition rate, which which is pretty high. You know, most of them were actually mechanicals. Um, which which is pretty surprising, you know, especially with the roads that that we have there. You you expect some people to have some crashes and and hit stuff, and that causes issues, which we certainly had, but didn't seem to be the majority of it. But what I really liked is we had 14 finish day one, and we had 20 start day two. Um, oh, so we good. Got, so a lot so of we got, got right most of there. the cars back. Yeah, yeah. So that, so that was really good for us to see. Uh, Dave and Mike Brown, they put on pretty a. Uh pretty good dominant show there it oh, like yeah, for the weekend yeah. which was great yeah. job for them but i also noticed uh, you guys had a utv out there competing and uh looked like they were they were making a pretty good show of it too yeah no they they put some good times um i believe they actually competed last year uh, and and so they had at least done it before know how to run a rally um and and so were able to come out and and some of those stages, like Ed said, they're pretty technical, um, and I think we saw the same thing in Idaho, where those types of stages really do suit those UTVs well. And so, for them to be able to come out and and compete on those, and of course throw it around with the rally cars, uh, it was pretty cool to see. But uh, but yeah, no hats off to the Brown boys. They obviously put a clinic, and and I don't think even had anyone within not near ten minutes of them uh, for second place. So. Yeah, that's what it was. It was about ten minutes. So uh, wow, yeah. what a, what a great performance for those two. And uh, obviously, 
experience is everything in rally we know that mm -hmm. and uh but they've also been up in their game and that car's got some really good performance for na4 it does. It does. I know they've been through a couple of different engine builds, so um, we were actually talking with them, and I think that car makes just short of what our STI makes, um, but it but is about 500 pounds lighter. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's why they used to call it open light. It's a naturally aspirated open four-wheel drive, technically. Um, yeah. what they call it in, in Amer uh, American Rally Association. But yeah, still yeah. an open class, meaning right. you can kind of do can whatever do just you want with that motor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is in some situations, um, you know, they bring a pretty well-prepared car and, and it's well put together. And, and there's some other open, well, sorry, open light, nationally aspirated four-wheel drive uh, cars out there that um, are, are similar preparation. And, and with a high compression or higher compression engine, I mean, I think, those cars make about 180 wheel horsepower, give or take, and our STI makes all of 208. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, our car is built to the old SP class. And so um, we have a stock turbo, and, and so even with us battling in the limited class, uh, getting a little off topic here, but um, even with us in the limited class, you know, there's there's a lot of time it's it's us being fairly down on horsepower, so... Good turnout. Sounds like everybody had fun, too. You know, there's some great video and whatnot from at the finish. And uh, I saw a lot of smiling faces out there. And that, that's really kind of the most important part is everybody having a good time. And, mm -hmm. uh, of course, obviously flying down the stages as well and uh, getting yeah. a good result. So. And we had a good variety, too, you know. Yes, there was a lot of Subarus that show up, like like every race. But, you know, we had a couple of BMWs and, and a Honda and a Mitsubishi uh, Gallant VR4. So those are good friends of mine, uh, the Millers, their husband and wife team. And uh, Mad, Mad Mike is what we call him. And, and uh, he always shows up with a pretty well-prepared car. You know, they finish races. And, and they actually started out volunteering years ago uh, when they couldn't. You know, they didn't have a car, couldn't afford to race, whatever the situation was, and, and have now converted to driver and co-drivers. So that's one of those where it's so cool to see people who used to volunteer and used to attend the races, and, and now they're out there racing with us. I mean, back in the day, the Gallant VR4 was a car to have, wasn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That, that, that's going to be more up Ed's rally, uh, alley. <laughs> yeah, tell us, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you had yeah you had the Gallant VR4, you had the the Mazda 323, you had a handful of Audis back then, but uh, those were definitely the cars to have. It was the car. Well, I think that's just like from the two-wheel drive standpoint. Before we saw a bunch of Fords and Fiestas in those, um, Ed, you've got kind of the the first good two-wheel drive car for for a while. The what was the Volkswagen you had again? Uh, it was a Volkswagen Golf Mark II. Volkswagen Golf, excellent car, and I, I, you know, it was the car to ha have as a front wheel drive car back in the day. If you think about it, that's oh, what yeah, everybody the nice had. Short wheelbase and yep. plenty of power. Yep. It was so lightweight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that, and, and wasn't that Duplessis' old car? It was actually yes, Chris Duplessis' old car. Yes. <laughs> well, that explains and a lot. That's, okay. that's, that's, <laughs> been around, that's been around a few hands. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's amazing it's actually, how rally cars get passed around, isn't it? It's actually still a rally car today. I've seen it a couple times last year at some events, uh, STPR. can't remember what the other one was, but uh, it was still going. Well, that's just like, you know, Mike, we were talking about that R2 a couple of days ago that, that we had as Troy Miller's car, 
and uh, we just rebuilt the transmission on it, the sequential in it, and that was, well, Ed's going to have to jog my memory here again, but I think one of the first cars that, uh, first R2s in the U.S., and then Chris DuPlessis drove it, and then it got passed around to Troy Miller, and now it's in another hand, so they, they stick around as long as they don't get crashed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, let's kind of move on into the story of Earl, the rally car, because it was also one of the first ones. So, uh, Ed, maybe you can kind of tell us a little bit about uh, the birth of the Fiestas in the American market. Yeah, so um, I was hired by uh, Team O'Neill Rally School to uh, put together their Fiesta program for, for their school cars. So everybody knows they got 43 of them. We turned them all into class cars, and then... We got talking with um, Ford Performance and Mount Two, uh, not Mount Two. I'm sorry, M Sport uh, from England, and um, they wanted to start bringing the Fiesta Rally cars over. So we uh, we decided to build one of each. So Earl was the first R1, and we built the first R2 that Chris Duplessis ran. I think the the maiden voyage for the R2 was at STPR in 2011 and yeah so earl like i said earl was one of the first rally cars that ford fiesta in the united states to be to be raced on on the roads well and it was one of it was built in the us too which i think was different right because the uk ones were two door at that time yes it was the first four door us spec rally fiesta in the United States. So as I kind of remember it at the time when M Sport was kind of putting this kind of deal together of, of these R1, R2 setup, it was it was basically a kit, right? You could take a go buy a you know a, a stripped down Fiesta and then you'd buy this kit that you'd kind of uh, that would be all the components that you would need to make it an R1 or an R2 and you'd bolt that in, cage and everything, right? Correct. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. So it was an R1 kit and basically an R1 kit uh exists at uh, was basically, it was like a B-spec class. So it was a cage, uh, all your safety gear, um, some upgraded brake pads. Suspension, uh, the bill Suspension, seat. which was, it, they weren't like adjustable suspension, but it was like a, a very good, like a 46 millimeter suspension, but but designed for the Fiesta. In the, and then the R2 was, you know, you had, a, you had the cage and all the safety equipment. But then that came with brake upgrades, standalone ECU, sequential gearbox, adjustable suspension, big brakes. You know, what makes an R2 an R2? So, yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you couldn't get a better platform for a car here in the United States at that time. And I, I still don't think you can for a front-wheel drive car. Yeah, I mean, it obviously has shown itself. Uh, you know, I guess my introduction to the R2 uh, was – out here at Oregon Trail when you brought over the Australians, um, right? You yes. Had, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rhiannon Gelsomino along with um, her brother. Um, yeah. Brendan, yeah. yes. Brendan, thank you. Brendan Reeves, I was yep. driving it. I don't know how I forgot that for a moment. <laughs> and so, yes, Brenda and Rhiannon uh, making their debut in the States after, you know, running a little bit of the car in the, what was in the WRC Academy. Uh, at the time, was, yes. That's yeah, what it exactly. was. Yeah. And that car just... I had never seen momentum driving like that in my life. Yeah, and that's and that's the big thing with with the with a front wheel drive car. Everybody knows you have to have the momentum. You can never slow down. So, 
<laughs> those cars, those cars were on screech one hundred percent of the time. You know, at the same time, it's got to be set up right to be able to maintain that momentum, right? So, I mean, the suspension has to be really good. The, right. You know, it, it can't be too twitchy. It's got to be stable. And like I said, it was just fascinating to see just how that thing could just be just balls out the whole time and not look like it was about to run off the road. It looked completely stable in their hands. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you well, are that, correct. That's kind of how you have to drive it, too, you know, so... Obviously, I got to experience it in, in Earl when we're racing Earl and then to the ST that we built. And you have to stay full throttle on those cars because, believe it or not, they actually are pretty twitchy once you get into higher speeds. And so you learn just never lift, you know, because that, that keeps uh, some weight over the rear end of the car. And, and you know, coming from Subarus and Evos and, and those types of cars that I got started in, those feel like boats compared to the Fiestas. Uh, they have no front end grip, and then I jump in a Fiesta, and it's like, oh, this thing just goes exactly where you point it. So, Ed, you built Earl. You know, it's an R1 car. And what's the first event, and who's driving it? Uh, well, the first event would have been uh, Verena May 2011 at uh, New England Forest Rally. So the home event kind of for Team O'Neill at the time. That was, yeah. that was a home event for Team O'Neill, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Earl didn't have a great experience at that rally, but uh, he got he got repaired and, <laughs> and went on went on with life. So well, well, we and we should say so at the time it was not Earl. So when Verena right. had the yeah, car, so. its name was actually Trixie. So um, how did it get the name Earl then? <laughs> uh, well, so so Verena, of course had a rollover or half roll, whatever you want to call it at new England. And, and it got repaired and she finished racing it for the season. Um, and, and eventually ODD bought the car. And this was even before this was actually just about when I was coming on with the team. Um, but Ed was there. So, so he'll be able to tell the story about how it was purchased better than I. So, uh, so yeah, you know, everybody knows the famous Ojibwe, Forest fire, I guess I could say. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when our Ford Focus, uh, Cameron Steely's Ford Focus, caught on fire, and so that kind of left uh, an opening for uh, the Steelys were looking for a rally car, and I know that I knew that Verena was selling her car, so at the time I was going back and forth with Rod, and uh, I said, you know, you should you should think about buying this car. It's a great starter car for for Cameron. I think it'll it'll kind of last him for a while, and it'll teach him how to drive the car a little faster. And uh, so we purchased it from from Verena. I'm not too sure on the stats, but Preston can elaborate more on that. I think you guys started in 2014 with the car. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think we got a 2014, and and uh, 100 Acre was our first race in it because that was actually just when I started um, as Cam's main co-driver. So yeah, so I think they raced it. They raced it in the silver form because it was still kind of tricksy at that point, um, still in a silver paint job. Earl decided it was time to to be repaired again. So Earl we, fell over at New England. So uh -huh. apparently New England was. Its, well, am I guessing uh, that there was some there. assistance by the driver in that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. if you ask Cam, is a soft hit, but but they're all yeah. soft. <laughs> so. So Trixie, Trixie took a tumble, I guess, and so we had to basically, it, we figured it was time for him to be tore down and overhauled. 
Well, we had to replace the main hoop. Is is yeah, we had to replace the main hoop. But you know, it was also he had a it had a lot of rallies on it at the time, and it had never been completely stripped down and redone. So basically, we stripped him down, gave him some new some new parts and stuff, and uh, did the Rikers were the Rikers on it before then, or was that uh, the Rikers were on it at the time? Yeah. So was that part of the R one kit? It you can upgrade that. Um, gotcha. So technically, it's an optional kit. Technically, yeah, it's okay. R2, yeah, yeah. Part of the R two kit. Yeah. Um, so what so, class did it race in then? At that point, being an R one, which isn't quite B spec. It's like a B spec plus. I'm guessing. Well, back so, back in that time, the national two wheel drive class was just the national two wheel drive class. Gotcha. That's so, right. So I remember now. So it put them all together. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, he was kind of a open class two wheel drive by the time we were done upgrading them. So, um, so that's pretty much where he stayed in the open two wheel drive class. Gotcha. Yeah. So by, by the time I came on, um, and, and we had the Fiesta, so Verena raced it as B spec and right. actually, actually won the B spec championship with it. Um, by the time we got it, you know, we had, it had the Rigers on it. Um, we, put a plated diff in it and and a few other upgrades and and so we have a couple of sister cars of the same build but so it's kind of we called it an, an r1 plus um so it's the r1 with a couple of extra goodies on it and, and most of that really kind of adding to reliability than anything else yeah yeah you know the so we put bigger brakes on it uh, to help with that and then the rigers are obviously a far superior suspension compared to the bilsteins um so so really it's how like any rally car how can you make sure that you can go um as fast as reasonable down a road and survive the race we're still waiting to find out how it got to be named Earl. <laughs> that's oh, right <laughs> it's, got, it's got quite the history there ian <laughs> yeah we got plenty of history <laughs> yeah so so basically after after the rebuild we actually changed the color to a color that kind of resembles a t a, a t color so earl so gray, earl gray yeah. t well, and uh, so basically <laughs> so earl got his name from his color so <laughs> <laughs> well and and so rod you know the the cam's dad and kind of the owner of, of odd racing so he seemingly has named most of our cars intentionally or un- unintentionally and uh and, and i remember he was looking at the car and he goes well that's earl gray so earl <laughs> kind of just stuck um well, yeah. well speak, speaking as an englishman and an <laughs> earl gray tea drinker i approve <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's how earl came to be was because it was earl gray you know that was the color it kind of ended up from after the silver but does he smell of bergamot <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it kind of smelled like Minnesota dirt and right. Missouri dirt <laughs> and LSPR dirt and very earthy. Some real sweaty guys. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that too. So Earl Grey Earl, which which actually fits well because there's some British components that got into it. So uh, that's true. I like yeah, that. didn't even think of that. Um you know, did some upgrades to it. Um so how many rallies in is this car at this point? This would probably be I think I'm gonna say he's probably in his 29 to 30 ish rallies at that point well and that's after cam and i stopped racing it because we did actually a full season in that car so that would have been 2014 so and i think we did six or seven races that year 
Correct. So so just about a full national season. And, yep. uh, and yeah, so it, it was kind of our, our workhorse at the time as Ed was building the ST. Now, I noticed the car says, or it said Earl 2.5 on it. <laughs> so maybe you can describe why, why the other iterations maybe that of Earl um, to get to 2.5. Well, it all comes down to um, it having some driver issues, I guess we could call it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So every time we'd have to do something major to it, you know, it kind of got upgraded a little bit more, and we just up, you know, just we up the numbers. So, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And and sadly, so Colorado, you know, Ed, Ed drove it there. It was actually Ed 3.0 at that point, um, but we did not have the sticker yet to actually put the 3.0 on because it was rented by uh, Sam and Dave Miller, a father and son team from Ohio, uh, for Sofer. And they had a small incident with a tree stump and actually crinkled the main hoop again. So we had to do some repairs on it, (laughs) and he was 2.5 at that point. So Mm -hmm. we figured, oh, well, after that, it's 3.0, and as fate would have it, we never got a chance to put the sticker on. Yeah. He was on borrowed yes. time. Yes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I mean, let's get some some stats on Earl here because I I believe he you know not only is he comp- he competed in so many different rallies over his life he also I believe was a a starter car for many a driver. Go ahead, Preston. I'll let you do that one. <laughs> um, so Colorado was Earl's fortieth logbooked event. You know we were really proud because there's not many cars that make it to 40 events um and 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 let alone a car that was built brand new as a rally car uh, more or less so so yeah 40 events we had eight different drivers that had driven that car um or actually sorry eight drivers under odd racing so probably a couple others here and there um you know Vrina and and who else whoever else got to drive it but uh yeah i mean it's it's last full race was new england and we actually had gil amir and ryan dunham in in that in that race and in earl and and another first time driver so i think that's just really goes to show that as far as the fiesta platform goes and and especially as far as earl goes it was such a good starter car and a a great way for people to get involved with the sport um, relatively inexpensively, and and for him to have that many different people drive him and and have the amount of success that he's had, you know, I think when I was counting it the other day, it had 15 class wins and uh, and 20 total podiums. I mean, that that's wow. that's that's something. <laughs> and to add something to that, that um, the car uh, Earl only mechanically DNF'd one time out of the 40 rallies, and he broke an axle. Whoa. So that's Whoa. a big that's a big testament to that car too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. That's massive. That yep. wow. Uh way way to build a good car Ed and a uh, good <laughs> platform uh obviously uh to to start with. Well, okay, we got to talk about the the whole incident, you know. Give us the <laughs> yep. give us the story of uh Earl's last hurrah because uh he he almost did his own viking funeral there. Yeah, he did. Yes. <laughs> So basically, what we had started stage one, and about four miles into the stage, I had a moment and went off into a a ditch. I would say, you know, to anybody that would look at it, you're saying, "Oh yeah, you went off the road. You're in a ditch. Oh well." The the unfortunate part was we couldn't go back until 
the running of the second time through. We also had uh, the Steve from the Subaru. We all we coordinated with each other so we could both help each other get each other's car out because one had to come out before before it, the other one. It was Travis and Ryan from the Subaru. Oh, Travis, sorry, yeah. Travis. We was able to get Travis's car out and then uh, started to sprinkle and stuff. So it's like we kept saying, "Yeah, we'll just wait it out in the cars because it, it was thunder and lightning." And I was like, "I don't want to be out here in the lightning." The the sprinkling rain turned into I don't know. Uh, a rainstorm, torrential bib- downpour. <laughs> yeah, biblical proportion, I would oh have to say. <laughs> uh, and uh, basically, our ditch turned into a well, a stream at 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 one point. Then it turned into a, a small brook, and then it turned into the Colorado River at at uh, at peak spring season. <laughs> um, and we watched the car start float. And then it decided it was going to take a little stroll down the stream. And we're like, oh, it's there it goes. Um, and the video kind of shows that. Yeah, the, the video kind of made it look like you were on a white water rapids, like one of those canoeing courses. Exactly. You know, it didn't it didn't go down backwards. It didn't. It just tur- it made like a left hand turn and just started going down the stream. It was a. It was funny, but it was terrifying all at the same time. And then, so me and Cody, one of the crew guys, we started chasing it down the river. At that point, it was river. Um, and you're running at this point, right? You're yeah, we're running at this point. So we watch it flip over, turn around backwards, and then it, it actually came to rest up on to a, a like a 90-degree turn. At that point, I was like, it was almost to the point where I was able to reach out and I was going to try to wrap a chain around it to at least keep it from going any farther. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, by the time we got everything in place, off he went again. And, oh, no. Uh, oh, okay. So we chased him for about a mile down the river to where we, we couldn't couldn't go any farther, walk, running. So we lost sight of him. And we walked four miles probably of the banking after the, the initial flood. And we couldn't find him. We we literally lost the car. So of course we had to go back with our so, our tails. Go ahead. Yeah. So how 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 long did it take to go from like sprinkles of rain to like a a full blown flood in this uh, in this uh, in the river? I'm gonna say fifteen minutes. Gee. Wow. Within, within a span of fifteen minutes, yeah. Wow, yeah, because I've been I've been up to like um, on some of these uh, desert regions when I've been on like vacation, and you do you get like a a rainstorm pass through, and it all just happens. It happens so it does. It happens quickly, and then it's gone. And it's like yep. it's like to have somebody there and see it go from like nothing to a, to- a full on rapid <laughs> in like fifteen was- minutes. That's incredible. It's you know you've seen it on TV you know you you know flash floods mm-hmm. you've seen it on like uh, you know History Channel and stuff like that about flash floods and it's like oh wow that's pretty cool but to experience it for real it is exactly the way it is on TV it is it's from no water dry you like stomp on the ground and it's dust to a literal river that's wow. flowing probably fifteen to twenty miles an hour it was insane. 
Well, and th- and that's why I was glad, you know, you talked about maybe trying to throw the chain around it and and grab it at the point that it stopped for that that little bit and and I really think you would have lost the truck and and maybe people at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm kind of glad that, that was <laughs> that was the other thing too cuz the stages turned to a literal like I don't know what you'd call it. It's like slime where it probably would have just pulled the truck into the into the river too. So it was a good thing we didn't have anything attached to it. Well, and, and that was about the time that I got the radio call and net control that said, you know, so we were just celebrating, oh, we finally got the, the final stage up and running. And then we actually got a call that said, hey, I think there's crews on stage one and four and there's flash flooding over there. Um, and so I, I picked short straw or whatever it was, and they said, go check on those guys. So, Ed, how did you tell yes. Preston what happened to the car? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, Preston, Preston came, uh, came up and was like, yeah, we, we lost the car. Uh, we lost the car. We, we He's done. He's gone. And um, Preston's like, oh, wow, was, was your off that bad? And I'm like, no, no, the car was fine at that point we've just lost him we don't know where he is and the look on the look on Preston's face was <laughs> was what I expected okay <laughs> just, I was fathom. so confused I I, yeah. I could not it yeah. took him telling me three times for me to actually grasp what yeah. he was saying you know. What do you mean you don't know where the car is? It's a car. <laughs> right, right. Because again, that that first thought is, oh, okay, so it rolled or whatever. You know, is a bad off. And he's like, no, the car is gone. I'm like, what do you mean the car is gone? And he said, I don't know where it is. <laughs> went, oh, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So the the. Uh... You lost sight of it and uh, reported to Preston and said, I've lost my car. So, <laughs> and so, so what, what time of day is that? So I guess you must be, that's the end of the day. So you like go home, go, go back to park and what, what, well, what what's going problem, through your mind? Oh, it, it was just, I, you know, it's like, well, what do we do? Number yeah. one, do we report it? Do we, you know, do we, who do we tell authorities that the car is gone. But at well, that point, we was actually stuck on stage because the roads had washed out. We couldn't get the trucks through. Yeah, so, so once I was... arrived, the first priority was how are we actually going to get off of this road? Because it was so bad that I didn't think we could get the trucks and, and trailers out. I lost my shoes at one point because the mud <laughs> sucked it off my feet, so I was running around barefoot. But uh... Is the soil kind of like clay there? Um, I, I wouldn't really say that it's just really compacted dirt. And so once you got the water in there, it, it turned to just the top several inches were just mud. It was literally like slime. I would call it like a slime and it stuck to anything and everything. Like we have pretty good tires on the truck, like an all-terrain tire. And it was like, it was caked around. It wouldn't even clean off the tire. That's how bad the mud was. So, you know, it was a good it was a good thing that it didn't go up through the stages on the last stage because you probably would have had to cancel the stage. I was I would be thinking for that issue, but but continuing on, we probably got done around 9 9 or so, I'm going to have to say, back out back into town. We're trying to tell Rod and his wife and everybody what had happened and, and we always got the same reaction like Preston gave. 
Like, what do you mean the car's gone? And well, it's just not something you see at a rally, right? It's like, yeah, okay, people no, have offs, all. they have crashes, and and usually when you hear, oh, the car's gone, it's like, oh, okay, the car's totaled. You know, they wadded it up pretty good. So our our plan was to go back out on Saturday once we got the car out. That's how. That's to the point where the damage wasn't that bad on the car. But uh, yeah, Saturday was another day. So then hashtag where's Earl kind of started as it spread around uh, <laughs> the service park pretty quickly that there was a missing car. You know, I, I think that was the craziest thing is we were talking with BLM and, you know, the the land management, a few other people. And they went, oh, the car's missing. Yeah, you're not going to find that. It's it's under six feet of mud somewhere. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what we was expecting to find or not find, I should say. When did his re- when did Earl's reappearance come to light? Did he did you see him on on the Sunday or was it uh, was it later than that? It was actually Saturday Saturday morning. Me and the crew we all packed uh, some food and water, and uh, by that time the the riverbed was the just a just a trail again. It was completely dry, like nothing had ever happened. And so we actually walked about a mile and a quarter down the stream, what used to be the stream. Mm-hmm. And uh, the car had actually came to rest up against a, a bluff. So we did end up finding him. But it, it was, like I said, he was about a mile and a quarter down. To well, where well, and I, we had and I think you were kind of finding pieces as you were walking along, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's <laughs> another thing. Yeah. So as as we're walking down the brook, we're finding bits and pieces of the car, and it's like, uh oh, uh oh, wow, this is really bad. We actually came across the the roof skin, which looked like someone took a piece of paper and just crumpled it up in a ball. It was the the fu- uh, the weirdest sight we'd ever seen. Uh, we found the impact gun, um, just very very visible. Um, underneath some mud and like i said we found the radiator was hanging out the grill as we're walking down the brook and then we came around this we came around the bend and there he was just on his side unrecognizable i guess i should say i would have never thought it was a car if he had you know if he just kind of ran by it but (laughs) the wheels gave it away well and, and it was like 30 feet in a goalie wasn't it yeah yeah exactly it was actually we found him at mile marker three of the stage. They had they have mile markers um, that it must be from the oil fields. So if you stopped at mile marker three and walked straight out to where the river would be, and looked over the thirty foot embankment, he was down over that embankment. Whoa! So so then came the process of recovering what's left of Earl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that was an that was another fun fun thing. Um, Rod Steely, of course, you know, the the owner of ODD Racing, he says, we came back to town after we had found him. So so, so Rod and Karen were actually volunteering for the rally. So they were in town kind of doing their business, if you will. Um, so they, you know, almost like me, had heard bits and pieces and were kind of in the situation, out of the situation. So so Ed and the boys came back into town and, and found him. Yes, the yeah, uh, found... Earl's Been Found was showing up all over the webs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think by that time, uh, the video we posted on Facebook had hit like 7,000 views already within <laughs> within 20, <laughs> not even 24 hours. But yeah, so Rod's got an old F-350 pickup truck, diesel, and uh, we said we found him. 
you know, I don't know what you want to do. You know, we took a we took a come along and some chains and some straps. Just like we're gonna go out and try to get him. Do you want to come out and help? And he's like, Oh yeah, we'll get him out. And and Rod's the type of person once he gets it in his mind that this is what we're gonna do. There is nothing that is gonna stop him. <laughs> nothing that's gonna <laughs> stop. Up the brook a little bit, there was a crossing for eight UTVs, and so Rod decided. He said, "I'm gonna drive the truck down into the gully." And we're going to drive down the river and, and go pull them back out. After probably like four hours, we yanking and pulling and banging out some areas on the car where the wheels would turn and taking them off and getting all the dirt and mud that was caked up underneath it. We pulled them out and we got them on the trailer. <laughs> wow. That, so- that's. That is a very much oversimplification, right? <laughs> I, was, I, was go- I was going to say, really, yeah, because I've seen some of the video, and uh, yeah, it looks uh, you it looks like you severely <laughs> oversimplified the task. <laughs> I mean, it was what a three or four hour process to get that car out out of that that gully. I, I guess you could call it. Yeah, and I say it's probably it was wasn't even uh, eighth of a mile, maybe that we had to pull him. But uh, yeah, it took a little bit of time little bit of yanking and like i said some yanking and some pulling and some well and, disassembly and, and assembly and and if you've seen that video ian i mean you could see so that was rod's truck you know it's uh yeah. was it early 80s i think for uh, it's a 96 oh 96 sorry so early yeah. 90s i mean he he put that truck through the ringer to get that car out just because he was so determined and so he actually rod had just finished building that truck and oh. so that was its first kind of road trip. And, yep. uh, again, Rod is the one who he loves to name vehicles, as we all do. And that truck did not have a name before that trip. And uh, <laughs> and, and I think talking to Ed, he, he named it on the spot. He did, actually. I can't, re- I can't remember what it is right now. It's Jenny. Jenny, that's what it is, Jenny. <laughs> um, Love it. But, yeah, it, it, the truck did great. Um, I guess we're, we're all Ford people, so um, you know it was a good is a good fitting for it. So you got it up on the trailer, <clears throat> what what what's left of Earl, and you drive back into town with it. So uh, is is the rally done at this point, or is this uh, you actually got her back be, uh, before it was over? It was just getting. I think they were just finishing up uh, the last stage of the day, and um, Alan Gardner he said, "Oh no, I want you to bring that to the finish line." Nice. <laughs> and so we, we we pulled it up and brought it out to to the finish line to the finish where up at the college where everybody was staying, and where all the cars were going to finish. And uh, and I apologize to Dave, but I think we took the spotlight out of all the cars finishing, which I apologize for, <laughs> because everybody, including the drivers that finished the rally, came over to stare at the car. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, everybody's probably seen the pictures by now, but it's insane what the car looks like. Uh, I could never imagine water could do something like that. I think it just goes to show that uh, you built a, such a strong car and, and the kit is so reliable that it takes mother nature to destroy it. So there you go. Exactly, exactly. Actually, <laughs> we, if, if I'm correct, uh, M Sport has emailed us because they wanted the story themselves too. Well, and, and incredibly, I mean – the structure of the car is in, in more or less intact. You know, we've only got a couple of actually bent roll cage bars. And, and they're not that, really, it's okay. Yeah, they're not really bent per se. They no, have a no. couple 
dense, dense in them. Yeah. You know, dense. Yeah, the the structure of the car. Like if we put panels and stuff on the car, we could I probably mean, race it. You know, I mean, every every panel, <laughs> every right. panel, and the, and the frame rails, and yeah, uh, right. But, you know, uh, but I mean that that's I mean, that, that's not a lot of damage for a vehicle that was shoved down a river, colliding yeah. into embankments and rocks and who knows what. Yeah, else. It basically yeah. rolling for over a mile. For yeah. a mile, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the only vehicle that I can think of that's been um, subjected to anything like this was like the uh, was like that Toyota Hilux on Top Gear. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. That, yes, <laughs> that they ran through the town into all the the walls and then put it in the tide and sure, that's sure. it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so what 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 are you going to do with that? Are you going to mount him on a big concrete plinth outside um, ODD's new new premises, just like the Top Gear did with the high looks? Or that's that's what I would love to do with them. Um, Fortunately, um, Rod is a smart businessman, and he has insurance on all these cars uh, through a, a specialty insurance company, including so, flood insurance. It, including Seriously, flood insurance. that's hilarious. <laughs> I learned that very much after the fact, uh, yeah. which, which um, makes me very happy. But <laughs> so you know, it's all going to be dependent on what the insurance company wants to do. Um, if we we want to we want to keep him. You know, we might we might scavenge a few parts off him if we can, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna spend his life, I think, in front of the ODD race shop. Nice. So so this is gonna get me in trouble, um, which, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys love. But the joke we've had for a long time is Earl survived Cameron, and just for surviving Cameron, he deserves to be put up on a pedestal and retired. And, <laughs> and that was the idea for a long time, but he became our rental car. Um, and so now, okay, I think he's earned that right. So, yes. so Earl is officially retired. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do believe that. Yeah. I, I mean, again, you figure he's had 20 podiums. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to finish half of your races on, on the podium, that's that's an incredible feat in itself. And, uh, and then for him to be lost for a full 24 hours, essentially with us having no idea where the car is or if we're ever going to see it again. You know, honestly, I thought it was a fool's errand to even go look for the car. And so (laughs) hats off to the guys for, for even, okay. Granted they had some free time on Saturday since we weren't racing, but, uh, but, but to even to go out and, and search for it and, and ultimately find it, recover it. I mean, that that's huge. We leave no man behind. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, and, leave no man, and, no car. <laughs> and and the really cool thing to to kind of bring it full circle is with the trouble that ODD had for their cars on Friday, because our guys weren't working on our cars, we actually directly helped three other cars finish the rally. Oh, um, that's wow. awesome. And and so some of those cars we talked about DNFing uh, were able to come back because you know one of them was the Honda of Brett Hunter. He actually damaged his subframe and so needed a welder, which we have on our trailer. So um, we were able to help him there. You know, Paul uh, Dickinson, he had a battery issue. We had a spare battery that we didn't need anymore. So, oh, and and Ernie and and Steve Harrell, they had an issue with the transmission. And we actually had one of our crew guys drive up from Greeley, which is a five-hour drive, 
with a WRX transmission we oh, had yeah, in the shop. I heard about that. That's how that yeah. got there. Jeez. Yep. 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 Yeah, so we had one of our guys drive up, and I think he left it, you know, early afternoon or late afternoon and got up there pretty late. And so it's great because even with Earl's sacrifice, we were able to help other people and, and get them to rally because that's what it's all about at the races. Teams helping teams. I, I, I love it. It's 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 what rallying's all about, and it's great. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Rally is a, it's a big, tight-knit family, and, you know— yeah, some of us don't always get along, but we always come out to help each other. So, you know, we're we're very happy that we could help other people. So, what did Earl teach you guys at ODD as far as you know, with his different iterations and all that stuff, as far as different design or whatever for future uh, builds that you're going to do to you know continue on as these customer cars? Well, you know, the way I look at it is, I, I think everybody should start in a slow car and uh, learn to drive that as fast as they can. Um, and I think that's what Earl taught a lot of, well, eight drivers, you know, at that, yeah, I may be slow, but, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of wins under me. I know what I'm doing. To me, I think, you know, everybody should start out and try a car like Earl. It, it also gives note to proper car, you know, builders, building cars to, 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 to handle rally to survive know? i mean really, to survive right? exactly yeah. Yeah. you know and not just say you know how can i get into this sport the cheapest way i can the biggest thing you don't skip on is safety and i think the car rolling down a river for a mile and a half shows that <laughs> the safety equipment is the best stuff to do on a car always yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know i think too many people try and jump into a, a high horsepower four-wheel drive car too early and obviously that's what they see on tv and that's what they see online and and everyone wants to race that evo and and subaru just because that's what they see but if you truly want to be fast in a rally car i mean a car like earl has maybe 100 horsepower and for the results that it's had to be able to drive a car like that fast, you have to be a good driver. And the only way you will become a good driver is is to learn how to drive a slow car like that quickly. Because, you know, of course, I've had the, the fortune of starting in a slower car like that and then moving into a faster car like the STI and, and you know, ultimately up from there. And, and a car like the STI, it covers up a lot of faults in your driving. And, you know, it's it's easier to drive fast but there's a reason why someone like cam is faster than a lot of drivers out there and it's because he learned how to drive that slow car to the most of its abilities yeah i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a ford man and you know if i could just like get a co-driver's seat in a fiesta i a fiesta like that i would be i would be really happy that would that would I, I would retire then. No, no, I wouldn't, because I enjoy it too much. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, you know what, Ian, I'll have to get your information, because we have enough rentals that look for, for co-drivers. So, uh-huh. There oh, we go. Okay. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely. Yeah. So that, that is a situation that I'm very fortunate to be in, is is because of the number of rentals we have, um, a lot of times they're looking for co-drivers because we're firm believers that you put an experienced co-driver in with a novice driver and things will go smoother. And yep. so, yeah. um, so you know, we have a race coming up uh, Ojibwe with, with Paul Dickinson, who we're doing some work for, and he needed a co-driver. And so I, I know you guys know uh, Krista Skuckis, 
So yeah. she's yep. going to be riding with him because it was a recommendation from us that you need to find a seasoned co-driver uh, to, to really help you get through the race. So I got one, one last thought on this. As Earl is a rental rental car, it's like, was, was Earl lined up for any more trips out this season? Have you had to call people up and say, uh, you know, we... Can't you? You can't use Earl. <laughs> um, we, you know, we've got a few other rentals through the end of the season, but we we do have a couple of these fiestas, and so we can still cover all of our our rentals that we have uh, planned. Um, you know, I, I think we had a good situation where we had two of these R ones available for for rentals. So we had Earl, um, and we still have uh, Betty is our other car's name for Black Betty. Uh, the song that, nice. that I'm sure you know. Uh-huh. So, yep. so that's our other rental car, and that's the one that had the PCM issue that that's all taken care of. So, um, we we've got Fiestas. I think at the shop, what do we have? At six or seven Fiestas at the shop right now. Five of them in yep. rally trims. So, yes, yes, exactly. So, yeah, we're just slowly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just slowly trying to get them back into you know rental car status. Well, I think that just shows how much we love these Fiestas. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why we race them. There's a reason why we rent them. It's because they're they're solid platforms and, and they're very, very capable. And so um, I like having them around. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I rented one. I think, it was, yeah, it's my first time being in a Fiesta in a long time at uh, just as my rental car that I had at Idaho. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, was that thing just fun to drive? It brought fun back to driving. It's just so nimble, it so really tight is. in the steering. And it didn't have crap for power, but at the same time, it had really good low-end torque. I was really impressed. It, so if you're trying to go from, you know, 50 to 60 to pass somebody, good luck. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but <laughs> but from 0 to 40 was great. It actually worked really well. And, and like I said, just the cornering was just fun and i can so see why people want to use those as a rally car oh it's it's incredible you know i i had the privilege of driving earl in oregon and uh, as, as my first race and and one and well, sure but <laughs> <laughs> well you did that, that yeah, was awesome yes, earl yes. on the top of the podium before he died you know it was, oh shit I, oh excuse my language i guess that was <laughs> That was the last win for Earl, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was in your hands. Yep. So the last yeah. win for Earl comes from ODD's Preston Osborne. And then, <laughs> you know, the the build originally came from Ed as well as its final farewell. I mean, you know, it all comes for full circle. With full ODD circle, there. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, you know, Earl was such a great car. It's It's one of those, and I'm a firm believer, you don't get attached to race cars. But Earl has been so well liked and and so well loved throughout the rally community you know it it became a known car and uh to to see it get wrecked like that and think that we had lost it i think was pretty hard and so even just the fact that the guys were able to go out and recover it was such kind of a, a nice finality to it to to at least get the car back so that we can have a proper tribute or or at least take some of those pieces and have them live on um I think that was really important, and I kind of underestimated that until we did get it back. Well, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention one press-on-regardless story, though, from Colorado. Um, uh, you know, obviously, we, we had Earl eventually got to the end, I guess, <laughs> on a trailer. <laughs> but uh, that was car number 60. Uh, Gandy and Baxter, was it? The Subaru oh, wagon. Yeah, yes. yeah, the red wagon. 
Yeah, yeah. They, they rolled on the final stage. And, uh, and if I remember correctly, they ended up getting second place in that naturally aspirated class. Um, and, and so that's – it was amazing to see that car cross the finish line. And fifth overall. Yeah, I mean it <laughs> – it looked the worst for wear. Yeah, but there's some great pictures out there. Big thumbs up uh, uh-huh. out the out the window. The windscreen's half smashed in. Yep. And, yep. and oh yeah. Well, just I think that was just a lot great. of the competitors we had at Colorado really had the mentality, and it was so cool to see. You know, you, you had them roll on the final stage. You know that Honda that I mentioned we we helped fix for uh, Brett Hunter. He he did not expect to finish day two. He said, I'm, I'm going to drive it until the wheels fall off because that was really going to be the end result. And, and for him to finish is huge. And then, you know, Ernie and Steve to be able to finish on that, that transmission is another thing. I mean, there, there was such a good mentality with Colorado. And, and you had such compassionate, competitive, you know, such great competitors to really want to push on and be able to get there to the finish. Yeah, I think, I think every car that came in to, the, to finish – had some sort of issue with their cars. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody came in unscathed by that rally. Um, like I said, it's it's a tough rally. So if you finish that rally, you know, your car has done good, and you've done good as a driver, co-driver. Yeah, I think it was Scott Crouch who ended up second overall. So he actually double flatted on the second to last stage. And the O'Driscolls, who was the competitor directly behind them, actually gave them one of their spare tires uh, so that they could finish. So it's it's the stories like that that really bring me back into rally, the the camaraderie and and you know there's so much respect between the competitors. It's it's amazing. God, I love this sport. <laughs> Brings it back around again. It really does. There's not much more you can say, say after that, really, is there, to be honest? <laughs> no, no, there isn't. Uh, there'll be another Earl, or it'll have a different name. <laughs> Whatever uh, Rod decides to, to name it, right? Yeah. Right. I think I think we're going for Earl the second. Maybe. So, <laughs> I think we need to carry will, will on Will this name. be the Duke? Yep. Ooh, uh, yeah, the Duke, Duke of, of Earl. Earl. There we go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. Ed may or may not be making a trip out to California this weekend. We'll see. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious uh well thanks again guys for being on the rally cast um great story great event um for those of you that have not heard about rally colorado um yeah great third year um let's keep that one uh going need more volunteers though so make sure that uh for you folks out in that western region that uh, like to volunteer it's a great place to go visit i heard nothing but good things about it just being a beautiful beautiful place so you know make it a camping weekend and go help out with a rally so uh, if it's I, a great if time I, of year to go if, see if it i too. can get a co-drive there you I go can bring my <laughs> wife along and my yes wife she's a great volunteer she, she does volunteer. all kinds of stuff yep well, she does controls go. Just yeah. just down the road, uh, there's Dinosaur, uh, which is a national park, which um, I, I, I haven't looked at it myself, but I've seen some videos that it has over 1,500 different dinosaur skeletons. So that's a great place to visit on Sunday. Perfect. Perfect. See, just make a vacation out of it. Go do rallying and then uh, go see some uh, paleontology. Great stuff. I like it. Yeah. I just want to say, uh, you know, uh, thanks to all the uh, – organizers of uh, rally colorado and uh you know all the uh helpers workers and uh, it'd be nice to see it there next year again hopefully i can race again we'll see um 
Maybe I'll just have my own car, and then I won't have to worry about anybody else's car. <laughs> um, rolling down a river. Maybe a yeah, rolling down a river, yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll make sure I wear uh, life preservers at the time. So. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. Uh, no, no, thank you for Flatirons for bringing us that life preserver for, for Earl <laughs> so that, that he didn't float, float away again. Great. No, and, and thank you to you guys, you know, for having us on and, and talking about this stuff. You know, it's it's such a crazy story, and, and everyone I've talked to, we just – we haven't seen a situation like this in Rally before. You know, people have lost cars to, to fires and wrecks, but to have a flash flood come through, I mean, it, it really opened our eyes to how powerful Mother Nature really is. And so, um, you know, like Ed said before, you watch the videos and, and you see the situations like that. But um, kind of your PSA out there is flash floods are very serious and they're very real. So yeah. um, if you're in a situation like that, just just get to high ground. <laughs> and, and, and you're going to lose a For car, sure. but you'll get a story out of it, I guess. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Rallycast. As always, we appreciate your feedback. So please reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you like what we're doing, give us a good rating and tell a friend. If you don't like what we're doing, well, you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> you can find us both individually for me, Mike Shaw Rally, and Ian Holmes Rally co-driver on Facebook. Uh, thank you again to our guests, Preston Osborne and Ed McNelly of ODD Racing for being on the show. For Ian Holmes, I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.